In this episode, I talk about a lot of stuff, mainly movies, including Andrei Rublev being there, The Seventh Seal, Brazil, Blue is the Warmest Color, and It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Uh, and whatever else, there's... I'm gonna read a letter. You know what the show is like. This whole intro thing is just a pretense at this point to whet the appetites of people who are already fans. Sorry, I'm feeling a little melancholy while I'm recording this. I, 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 I think the cats are mad at me because I changed what kind of litter box liner I'm using. I can talk about this in greater depth if I want to when the actual show is going. This is the intro, and I'm already bumming you out. Sorry about that. I'm your host, for some reason, Derek Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. Hey there, Checkmates, it's your old Uncle Derek. After that bummer of an intro, if the fun, upbeat, bass and drum music doesn't cheer you up, I don't know what will. It made me feel better, and uh, that's one of my own songs, and I I probably shouldn't be quite so uh, enthusiastically talking about my own music. Seems a little vain, but hey, you've got to be your own biggest fan, because no one else is going to be. Hope you're all doing okay. I'm doing okay, I think. Uh, I think the cats are a little bit mad at me, because I changed what kind of litter liner I'm using, which uh, seems to have affected their mood a little bit. Jonko is not finishing his wet food, although he's eaten plenty of kibble, so it's also possible he's just tired of the wet food. Uh, I don't think anything's wrong. I think he's just kind of, like, eating the kibble, and, uh, you know, whatever. That's fine. Uh, but yeah, they've both been weird today, and uh, (laughs) I think they're mad about the litter liner thing. Uh, I've got the litter liners that I had been using on order. They're not here yet, so I'm using something different that I just had sitting around for emergencies, which it kind of was, uh, because, you know, it's a cat box. Uh, So, uh, give me a break, guys. I I can see you from here. I see you both right there. I love you more than life and time and air and music. Give me a break on the litter boxes, all right? I mean, keep using them, please, but just be nice. All right, Daddy loves you. Look, uh, folks at home, we've got a lot to talk about. I, I, Of course, the cats are still here. Jonko and Maguire, my co-hosts, are hanging out. They're, they're, it's actually kind of getting late at night, so they're starting to wind down a little bit. Which is nice. I like that they wind down at a certain point, and it, there's a kind of a natural bedtime for them most nights. So that's kind of nice. But uh, I don't think you'll hear them wrestling around too much in the background or anything this week. Uh, and also, I'm recording in a different room. I'm in the living room where there's a uh, nice area rug, and uh, the heater and the refrigerator will still kick on. And it's an open floor plan type design, so you might hear some of that, but it won't be as bad as the last episode. Uh, but yeah, the cats are here. They're doing good, I think, except for John and the not eating 
part. Um, well, he's eating. They're not eating the wet food part, which is more frustrating than concerning, I think. And I think he knows that. I think I think you know that, Jonko. Uh, if, if, although, if you get sick in the next couple of days, I'm going to hate myself for this episode. Um... But yeah, the litter boxes are are different, so th- they mad. But I think they I think they're doing good. Uh, I tell you, I've been uh, this week. I've been calling around to uh, local veterinarians and just asking them questions and uh, it, really narrowing it down to the one that I want. And I've I've been doing that on and off for weeks. Uh, but I'm I'm down to my uh, top two, and I think. I actually think I've got a number one. I think I know which one I'm going with. Picking a vet is a hard thing to do if you don't, like, already have a vet. You know? Because <laughs> um, they're all vets. No one's going to half-ass it. You know, they're, they got into veterinary medicine because they love animals. Like, that's not something that you fail into. They they wanted to do that. So they're, they're all going to be okay. You know, they're all going to be fine. Uh, but I, I want the best for my boys, so that's been kind of a process, and it's been an on-and-off process because they haven't had any needs yet. Like, they went to the vet a couple of days before I got them, I think. So it's, I mean, there's they're vaccinated and everything. They're fine. Uh, they're vaccinated, as all people and animals should be. Um, which, speaking of which, by the way, this week I'm finally going to get my COVID booster, because I've had the antibodies from actually having COVID back in January for a few months, but now I actually need the booster, so I'm going to be doing that. Uh, go and do likewise, please. But back to the cats. One of the weird things that you learn about uh, cats is what they can and can't have. Like, uh, so many of you probably think that cats drink saucers of milk. No, cats are actually, by and large, lactose intolerant. Like, you shouldn't be giving milk to cats. Uh, cream, sometimes, I think is okay from stuff I've read. Uh, I don't tend to keep cream in the house, uh, and I don't know what kind of cream. Uh, probably not like cottage cream, probably not, uh, uh, a cream of mushroom, or, I, I mean, I don't know what the answer is to that. Don't care, either. I'm just not giving them milk. So that's one of the things you learn. But another thing that you learn... I've been a candle person for a very long time. I like lighting candles, especially if I know I'm having company. I'll light up a candle and just kind of get rid of whatever weird smells are in my house when I have company over. And uh, I've been that guy for a long time. Uh, Turns out that there are certain candles and uh, essential oils and things like that that are bad for cats, that can be toxic even to cats, or that can cause respiratory problems for cats. Uh, so that's been something I've been reading up on lately and freaking out about because absolutely no candles that I own are cat safe. Uh, although it's, it's also, it's one of those things that like probably is 50% good science and 50% people guessing and just scaring the shit out of you for no reason. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Uh, I've been talking to other cat people I know, not least of which, uh, their foster mom, Kim. Hi, Kim, if you're listening, you're the best. Uh, and, you know, it, a lot of cat people are candle people. The It seems like the bigger risk is keeping them away from the candles so they don't accidentally light themselves on fire. That seems like the bigger deal, uh, which isn't a problem for me because I've got places that they can't get to. Uh, at least I don't think they can, and if they can, they will do it when I'm not around and there isn't a candle burning. Uh, so that's, you know, not a big worry to me. But, uh, uh, you know, you read about... Like, I can't, 
I've got an I've got a uh, one of those uh, reed diffusers I had bought recently uh, that I haven't used yet, and I'm reading about how essential oils can be like very bad for cats and can really like fuck up their skin even. And I, I don't want to do that to my boys. So if anybody wants a uh, vanilla bean scented uh, reed diffuser, just let me know. It's yours because uh, they're not. I'm not gonna put my cats through that. Uh, apparently not as bad for dogs that kind of stuff, but uh, the essential oils, you got to be careful which which ones you use with cats. This is stuff I'm learning, uh, so I've, I'm rethinking all of my candle choices. So if anyone was going to give me a candle, don't, because uh, I don't know what's in it, and odds are you probably don't either, and I, it turns out I kind of need to, um, at least a little bit. I, 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 you know, at least need to keep an eye on them when I light one. I think I'm still gonna bite. Uh, gonna bite. I think I'm still gonna light the one that I most recently bought, just to, cause it's here and it was a nice candle. See how they respond to it. They'll probably be fine. Everything's probably fine. Also, this week I'm getting a new couch uh, delivered. Well, I don't know that actually. I'm getting rid of the old couch this week. <laughs> it's going out to the curb, uh, which is unfortunate. Believe me, I tried to find a charity to take the couch, but nobody was any help, and it just, the one place that actually talked to me didn't have a timeline that would work for me, uh, and other places just refused to return my calls. Multiple messages, no callback. I don't know how charities work anymore, I guess. Um, or everybody's just so flooded that it's, you know, not feasible, or they hear couch and go, nope, you know, uh, who knows. But it's been hard to get rid of this couch, so it's going into a landfill. Which bums me out, because it's still usable, and also it just bums me out to put something in a landfill uh, that's that big. But here we are, so that's going out on Thursday, and I'm hoping that the new couch will be in. (laughs) Please, God, let the new couch be in on Friday, uh, or Saturday, latest. Uh, But we don't know, because I wasn't able to get a hard delivery date, but things are moving forward with that, and when that happens... The cats can be out all the time. They don't have to go to their room anymore when Dad leaves. They can just be out and have fun. That's that's going to be nice. I'll probably still want to watch them a little bit, because they are still discovering stuff that I never would have thought would have been a problem. And sometimes they like to kind of revel in that. Sometimes uh, I, I, I love these guys more than anything. Uh, I, I, I love my cats more than I love the who. Uh, like, think about that for a minute, those of you who know me. For frame of reference, I've often said to, uh, to people uh, that I love the who the way some people love Jesus. And I love my cats more than I love the who. So that's, that's where we are, folks. And um, um, I, I I say that, but also sometimes they're really assholes, and uh, <laughs> we have our problems. But uh, uh, that's what happens in a family. They're the best. They're the best little assholes in the world, and I love them so much. Uh, they're getting a new couch soon, and I'm excited about that, and I'm excited to have them out and around. Uh, I am still finding little things that need correcting that they're getting into and 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 kind of ruining my afternoon sometimes uh, by discovering. Um, but everything's 
manageable, everything's fixable, they haven't done any serious damage, except they knocked down one of my Star Trek DVD collections, they knocked down Voyager, which is the, the least of the original four series, uh, they knocked down Voyager and the box tour, they didn't mean it, I, I watched McGuire do it, he was just exploring and just thought, oh, that'll hold my weight, and I thought it would too, and we were both very surprised when it fell, and he ran, and I was like, yeah, I get it, and then I looked at the thing, and, ah, damn it, are you okay, buddy, the, the fuck, are you okay, <laughs> that was kind of, that was kind of how that went, but, uh, uh, in general, everybody's happy, everybody's healthy, uh, some of us are eating better than others of us. I'm eating better than either of them combined at the moment because I've had some stressful days. Uh, there has been a gooey butter cake in my place getting destroyed as uh, the week has gone on. But uh, but hey, that's better than it used to be. I, I would have eaten it all in a sitting, but I, I haven't done that. It's been a little bit every day. So that's I'm coming out ahead on that, I think. If you like the show, there are some companion sites you can go to. The uh, There's a companion blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. The show itself is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. We are on all of the podcast apps, I think, including Amazon. So, and uh, the, like Amazon podcasts or whatever and uh, that stuff. Uh, you're probably listening to it on one now. If you're not, then you're... Uh, like myself, and like to go to websites, so the blog is your home. If you like me and want to know more about me, and really, who wouldn't, uh, go over to DerekBrink.com. It's mainly about my music career. If you like the music that you hear throughout the show, it's available over at DerekBrink.Bandcamp.com for absolutely free. All you do is enter zero as your purchase price, and you can take it. I don't collect your email address. I won't even know that you took it. I would just love it if you loved it, and you can email me your questions, comments, concerns, and otherwise at db, those are my initials, db at derekbrink.com, and I answer everything that isn't just some douchebag, I, and even if you are a douchebag, you might get an answer, I answer everything, at least within reason, and uh, uh, sometimes I'll read it on the show, and we've actually got some of that coming up here in this particular episode, which we will get to after a brief musical break. How about that? You even get transitions this week. When I was a young man I met a girl with a French last name I said to myself right then and there I said I think I'd like to bury that girl someday That'll probably never happen We've got a little bit of check mail to read to you here this week. Just one, just one piece of check mail. That's uh, email from Checkmates, in case you're new. Uh, someone emailed me at db at derekbrink.com and asked a question, and this is the part where I read it on air and give an answer. They uh, did not give a name in their email. I can tell what the email, or what they're, sorry, I can tell what they're, uh, I've been drinking a little bit of Guinness while I'm doing this. Uh, I can tell what their name should be from the email address and whatnot, but uh, I feel like that's getting intrusive if I just assume to read it. So uh, this is just a person who emailed in. And uh, what they... (laughs) 
what they write is, uh, and this was uh, actually someone, I guess, who listened to the last episode and was waiting, waiting with bated breath for it. They write, uh, Hi, Derek. Really glad to have you back and glad you're enjoying the cats. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, I was a little bit surprised to hear in your first episode back that you didn't address the death of wrestling great Scott Hall. Uh, You did talk about Taylor Hawkins, which I really appreciated because I'm a big fan of the Foos, but would be interested to hear you talk about Scott Hall and what he meant to the wrestling business. And that's the end of the email. Uh, Yeah. That happened while I was away. Scott Hall passed away, uh, known to many as WWF, WWE personality Razor Ramon, also, of course, one of the founding members of the NWO. Uh, Basically, he made the Monday Night Wars happen. It's actually very fitting that he passed away on a Monday because he made Monday Night's appointment TV for every wrestling fan for the 30 years that followed. Uh... Uh, Yeah, Scott Hall, also known as Big Scott Hall, also known as the Diamond Stud. Uh, He's had several different personalities, but best known as either Razor Ramon or Scott Hall. Um, I was very sad. I was very saddened by that loss. Um, Although Scott Hall, known to be a man who had significant demons and a very rough life, most people seem to agree, and I think he also would have said this, that he suffered from PTSD related to some events in his life that I won't get into because there's no need to bring up that stuff um, when you're paying tribute to the man. Uh, he He had a rough life, and he had a long time where basically from the early 2000s onward, there was just a long period there where you just assumed that you were going to hear that Scott Hall had passed away and you were going to go, oh, well, yeah, he had problems, you know, because he was very definitely an addict, which came out of his PTSD. But for the last 10 years or so, it seemed like he had that, if not under control, then at least in a much better context. He, uh, he seemed to have some good years there for, a lo- for about the last 10 years. He seemed to be doing okay. Seemed to be off the junk, seemed to be off whatever he was on, and seemed to be living a good life and contributing again and having fun again and having good, clean fun. And that's wonderful to know. I... Was sad to hear that Scott Hall died. I was also very happy to realize that it was a surprise. Because there was a long time there where it wouldn't have been a surprise. You know? Uh, But Scott Hall, yeah. Absolutely instrumental in the wrestling industry. Absolutely instrumental in the Monday Night Wars. Uh, That would have been in the 1990s, mostly, when... WCW, who he worked for at the time, was going up head-to-head against the WWE, then WWF, and uh, every week both shows were live and you never knew what was going to happen, and talent was switching brands left and right all over the place, and it was uh, a big ratings war to see who was going to come out ahead. WWE eventually won that, as uh, you may have guessed, since they're still around and WCW isn't. But um, Scott Hall was 
just one of the guys manning the cannons on that. He was uh, he wasn't even that. He was one of the generals in the Monday Night Wars, and uh, that was the time where I was most into wrestling, most obsessed, most uh, uh, crazed of, as a wrestling fan. Which never fully goes away if you're a wrestling fan. You always feel a little bit, you know, devoted to it, I think. Even if you go away from watching for a long time, every now and again you peek in or somebody mentions it and you go, okay, what's going on now these days? You know, I think uh, <laughs> I think there's always a part of you that loves wrestling once you love it at all. And uh, uh, speaking as a man who is in his 40s and single and lives with a couple of cats, I'm still watching uh, <laughs> every week. <laughs> and uh, the cats are watching too. Seems like John Coe's a pretty big fan of the, of the pro wrestling. Um, Scott Hall is one of the guys who made it actually interesting to watch for a while there. And uh, he's one of the guys that brought it into the mainstream in a way that it just had never been before. Uh, well, that may not be fair, because there were definitely times... I mean, Hulk Hogan was around long before that, and uh, you had your Bruiser Brodies and your... Uh, 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 I, I'm going to say Ivan Putsky, but that's not who I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to think of... Uh, 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 Bruno San Martino, you know, you, you had your big names that back when people thought it was a legitimate sport and all that, which it is still a legitimate sport. It's just predetermined. Um, which is such, I know that's such a crazy thing to hear if you're not into wrestling. Uh, I, what these guys do is very athletic and very dangerous and is absolutely a sport that the ending is predetermined doesn't take away from the athleticism or the physicality of it. Um, and by the way, I think as time goes on, you'll be very surprised to find out how much people know about your favorite sport as, uh, as things unfold. Uh, you cannot convince me that the NFL is not 100% staged. I'm pretty sure baseball is too, although that'd be a lot harder to do. Uh, basketball probably is. Uh, I'm talking in the professional level, college, probably not so much. Uh, I think most sports are rigged, are works, as we say within the wrestling fandom. Work meaning predetermined. Uh, I, I think most sports are works, and I think that some of them have done just very good job of, of working their fans. And uh, everybody hates it when I say that, because I'm probably wrong, but I still think it. And uh, <laughs> if I ever get proven right, I'm going to look like a genius. But as it is, I'll look like an idiot. And that's okay. At least I admit it. Uh, but yeah, back when, back when the sport was a sport, people probably, it was probably a little bit more in the mainstream, but it went away for a long time and Scott Hall helped bring it back. That's all that to say that. Scott Hall was a big loss, but again, I'm so happy that I was surprised to hear that he was gone. Because even five years prior to that, I wouldn't have been. You know? So rest in peace, Scott Hall. Thank you very much for giving me a standing Monday night appointment for the last 30 years. It's been a lot of fun. And it's sometimes not been very fun, but it's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Scott Hall. Thank you, Scott Hall. Enjoy the Hall of Fame on the other side. Thank you so much for the email. I always appreciate that. 
uh, unnamed person. Thank you so much for the email. If you do write into the show in the future, folks, please let me know what name you would like me to refer to you by if I read it on the show. And really all you have to do to do that is to just sign it at the bottom with whatever name you want to go by. You don't have to make a big deal of it. Just put like Jeff or Steve or Fartmaster69, whatever whatever you go by. Just put it at the end of the thing and that's what I'll read. Um, but yeah, if you would like to have a question answered on or off the show, feel free to email db at derekbrink.com. Thanks so much, Checkmates. We will be back after a little bit of music with a little bit more fun rather than the uh, downer rest in peace stuff. Checkmates, do you like movies? Probably. Everybody likes a movie, if not multiple ones. Uh, I've been watching a lot of movies lately. The cats and I have been sitting here watching movies, specifically movies that are in the Criterion Collection. Because I'm a big fan of the Criterion Collection. If you don't know what that is, I'm sure I've talked about it on the show before, maybe even recently. The Criterion Collection is, uh, in fact, I must have because I talked about some from last week. It's basically an organization that preserves significant movies or weird movies from history. And they do a pretty good job of doing that. And I just think the collection's really cool. There are over 1,100 uh, titles in the Criterion Collection. I personally have about 40 and I would love to have much closer to 100 or so, maybe 150, looking at the list as the list keeps updating. So I've been going through my Criterion collection, watching the stuff that either I haven't watched or it's been a long time since I've watched. That's kind of what I've been up to here lately, and the cats have been getting in on that. It's surprising how much they end up watching sitting on the couch with me. It's really cute. Um, so I've, I've been doing that, and I've got six titles that I want to talk about here in this particular episode, and this is the main thing that we're doing. We're not going to do a whole lot else other than the stuff that we've already done. We're going to touch on six titles from my Criterion collection. None of these are new. Some of them are insanely old, and uh, I don't know. Maybe this will be interesting if there are movies that you've heard of or haven't heard of that you might find... Um, I'm going to say the word interesting again. Uh, <laughs> sorry, it's uh, getting late and I'm sleepy and uh, uh, my vocabulary is struggling. But uh, we're going to talk about movies. We're going to talk about six movies. The uh, first one I want to talk about from my Criterion Collection collection is the movie Andrei Rublev, which I'm sure I'm mispronouncing. Uh, it's a Russian name. The movie itself is in Russian and subtitled in English. And uh, that's one of those that I didn't know that when I got the movie. Uh, I just read the description of the plot and thought, oh, that seems interesting, and picked it up and figured it's a Criterion movie. It's at least going to be interesting in some way. There's going to be something about it that I'll think about or that I'll notice that'll be worth the money. Um, I know that the name Andrei Rublev, who was a... Basically, he was one of those religious artists. Like, he was a real guy and was kind of a guy who did religious icons. Uh, he was one of those. 
the the real guy his name is said several times in the movie but it's said in actual russian and uh i don't i don't know i i i grew up in the 1980s when you weren't supposed to like russians and uh now we're in the 2022s and i guess that's back uh so i i've just never really learned much about russian pronunciation i apologize if i'm getting that wrong and if i seem like an idiot the reason for that is that I am an idiot. I don't actually have anything against Russians exactly. I don't love what the uh, government of Russia is doing right now in Ukraine. I stand with Ukraine, but uh, uh, the actual people of Russia, uh, no, on an individual level, no worse than anybody in America, you know? Um, which is such a hard line to walk right now, but I, I think... People are basically people, and we need to bear that in mind. We have problems with what the government is doing and what the soldiers are doing. We don't hate every Russian. Uh, I think that's just an important distinction to make, so there, I've made it. Anyway, moving on. Andrei Rublev, which is how I'm going to keep saying it. It doesn't matter what you think. Uh, I have many thoughts about this movie. Uh... Very few good ones, to be honest with you. <laughs> I understand why it's in the Criterion Collection. It's a significant work. It's way too long. It's uh, over three hours. It's way too long. Um, in fact, one of the actors that was in the movie, one of the, I guess, then surviving actors, I think most of the cast has passed on, uh, was interviewed and he talked about the first time he saw it thinking it was way too long. So, like, I, I'm in good company there when somebody who was in it is saying, yeah, it, it, it was too long. Uh, I, I think I'm in good company there. I didn't watch a lot of the bonus material on the DVD, or on the Blu-ray, pardon me, just because I couldn't, because it was already so time-consuming. But uh, I did watch one of the features, and one of the actors just kind of said, yeah, I watched it for the first time, and I thought, what, why is this so long? You know, and I, I kind of felt better about it myself when I, when I heard him say that, although he said it in Russian. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I also, the entire movie, the movie's from 1966, and the entire movie is in black and white up until the very end where they show some of Rublev's actual art which I think the point of that was to make the art that much more spectacular looking, but it would have really helped if the rest of the movie had also been in color, because that would have helped uh, just some recognition of characters, because in black and white, a lot of the outfits look the same, and a lot of the costuming just sort of blends together. Didn't love it in that way. Um, color movies, by the way, gained popularity in the 1950s. So this was 1966. They definitely could have done it in color. Uh, it's basically a movie that follows a monk who is walking his way through a Russian war, you know, and just dealing with the horrible stories that are happening as a result of Russia being at war. And, and he's just trying to paint his icons, you know, he's trying to paint Jesus and paint the Last Supper and paint the Long Surrender, you know, and uh, that's that's all he's trying to do, and he's encountering war and horrible people, and that seemed like my cup of tea, I mean, not in a maudlin way, but just kind of like, that seemed interesting to me. So that's why I picked it up, having no idea it was in Russian, and uh, that's that's what it is, but if it was just that, I think I would have enjoyed it more. But what it is, is it's basically, I think, eight short stories that are really only connected because this guy is in it. 
um, like this guy, like Andrei Rublev, is like shows up in all of the stories. Uh, it is you know, biographical about him in that way, but there's just not really any connective material between the stories. In fact, there are title cards that pop up to tell you we're in a new story now. Just make a short film, then, and just make several short films over time. Don't make a three-hour multi-short film like that. I just, I I don't love that genre. I don't love that style. Uh, because so often, uh, and th- that's me saying that, by the way, even though I really liked Wes Anderson's uh, French Dispatch, which f- follows a similar concept, but... Uh, so often when you get that, when you get short stories like that, that are, you know, short films just glued together, there's one or two that you remember that are good, and then the rest are just kind of there, you know? And, uh, if they had just done a movie of the story of the bell that is in it, if anyone has seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about, it's this kid who's making a bell who claims to have his father's secret knowledge of how to make a perfect bell, uh, to ring in a church in a time of war, basically. Uh, and it turns out the kid doesn't actually have that knowledge, but he still makes a good bell. That's that's the movie, or that's the story. If that had been the whole movie, I would have been into it. That was that was very well done and very well told. The rest of it's just kind of, eh, fine, whatever. At one point, there's a bunch of naked people running around, and, and it's not even interesting. Um, like, the nudity doesn't help. It's just so slow and just not happening. Um, there's also a shocking couple of scenes of animal cruelty in it that I'm certain are just moments that happened that, uh, Tarkovsky, who's the director, just left the camera running and just filmed it, but it's horrifying. Um... There's a dog fight that's happening, like dogs viciously tearing at each other. That's alarming. Um, there's another scene that is, like, sadly the scene that's going to stick with me, where there's a horse going, like, up on a staircase where it doesn't belong, and uh, it falls down the stairs and clearly breaks its legs. Like, that. that's a dead horse at that point, and that's on film forever, like... File that away with the with the uh, bull execution in Apocalypse Now, as far as I'm concerned. Except Apocalypse Now actually had a plot, uh, barely, but it was it more of a plot than was Rublev. Um, and one of the things that jumped out to me about the movie was its similarity to uh, the Painted Bird by Jerzy Kaczynski. Uh, Jerzy Kaczynski, probably also a plagiarist, by the way. Uh, just it's i don't know if it's just that the russian war was told or the russian war gets depicted the same way by multiple sources because it really was that awful or if like one borrowed from the other you know because i think kaczynski's book also i think kaczynski's book came out the year or in a year or two after this movie so that's kind of coincidental uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's just kind of interesting. Like the the painted bird and Andrei Rublev seem to have a shared uh, 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 concept, a shared uh, uh, I almost want to say theology, but it's just sort of a shared vibe to them. I'm, there's a word for that, and it's not coming to me. But Andrei Rublev honestly didn't enjoy it that much. It was very long. The things that stick with me are not things that I want to stick with me. 
and uh, I just I, I could have done without that one. Visually stunning, though. Looks beautiful. Absolutely understand why it's in the Criterion Collection. There's uh, Tarkovsky has that thing where he's more interested in the elements of the shot than he is telling the story, and boy, can you tell. Uh, but there are some really beautiful pictures in this movie. There are just uh, I just wish there had been a script. Is <laughs> ultimately how I felt about it. But uh, moving on from there, I actually just referenced Jerzy Kaczynski, so let's talk about another movie that uh, actually does involve him, a movie called Being There. Being There is a Peter Sellers movie based on the Jerzy Kaczynski book of the same name, which there is some question about whether or not Jersey wrote, uh, and I think justifiably so, because one of the bonus features on Being There indicates that uh, the screenplay was not actually penned by Jersey Kaczynski, but he is still the only person credited in the credits because Kaczynski uh, fought to have his name be the only one credited, even though he shouldn't have been credited as the screenwriter. So that's kind of a window into Jersey Kaczynski's life. There's also an interview with Kaczynski in the bonus footage where he just seems like a complete and total jackass. And uh, uh, I, I tend to believe the impression that one gives of oneself. So, uh, I don't know. But being there as a movie starring Peter Sellers it was a lifelong, well, a years-long dream of Sellers to do being there. He desperately wanted to and finally got Kaczynski to agree. Um, it's the story of a man who is very simple. We might today use the phrase on the spectrum to, de to describe him, uh, who is very much a fish out of water, very much doesn't understand how the world works. He really only understands the world through the lens of the television, and he gets against his own, you know, through no fault of his own, he gets thrown out into the world to have to find his way, and he ends up meeting up with rich people and just sort of folding into their world pretty seamlessly, which, who would have thought? And uh, it's... It's a guy who really has no identity outside of what character he believes he's playing because he understands characters from TV. So this is a guy completely informed by media who is living a life in the real world for the first time, played by Peter Sellers. That's the basic concept of the movie. Uh, I was already familiar with being there. It's a movie that I've loved for a long time. I picked up the Criterion Collection copy of it a little while ago and hadn't watched it yet, so I finally did, and enjoyed it and enjoyed the bonus stuff. Um, it's a Peter Sellers masterpiece. It's very—it almost doesn't play as a comedy, even though it is a comedy, and it's one of those things that I watched it, I think, in, in, in my 20s for the first time, and there was stuff in there that made me laugh that now watching it in my 40s makes me want to cry. It's a, a very— dark comedy in that way, barely a comedy in that way, although there are definitely some really funny elements. Uh, there are some, I've also read the book, Being There, which gets unnecessarily graphic at some points, which Jerzy Kaczynski kept doing, because I've also read other books of his, um, all of which have a very different voice from book to book, which leads to the theory that he may have been a plagiarist. But he was also uh, a Russian-speaking gentleman working in English, so that could also be the issue. Any who's it, um, I've read the book, 
And some of the book elements that they do in the movie don't translate very well. Now, I'm not the kind of person that ever falls back on, oh, the book is better, and the the book, you know, whatever. Often the book is better, and in this case, it's maybe 50-50. But I, I'm able to appreciate one art form doing another art form story and having to the differences that have to be there. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the stuff that they did virtually verbatim from the book that didn't work. Like, there's a uh, a moment where uh, the the character played by Peter Sellers is introduced to us as Chance is his name. His name is Chance, and he is the gardener for an estate. He's Chance the gardener. He gets into a limousine with a rich woman, and she asks his name, and he goes to say Chance the gardener and kind of coughs... And out comes Chauncey Gardner, is what she hears. And she starts calling him Chauncey Gardner. She, oh, Chauncey Gardner, well, that's a wonderful name. And just starts calling him that. And in the book, it is explained that Chance understands that sometimes you see someone's, you hear someone's name on a TV program, but they go by a different name on a different TV program. So in the show that he's in right now, she must just be calling him what he's called in that world. He's still, you know, Chance the Gardener, but she's calling him Chauncey Gardener. That's her name for him in the world that he's in in this show. And that's explained very well in the book. In the movie, she just starts calling him Chauncey Gardner, and nobody ever says a damn thing about it. So it's a little bit, (laughs) there's some stuff that doesn't quite translate very well. And obviously it's an older movie, and there are some elements that don't translate very well that there are some jokes you wouldn't do now. There's uh, some racial humor in it that you wouldn't do now. But in general, the message of the movie is still pretty beautiful and pretty elegant and uh, pretty relatable. I was very happy with this watch of it. And uh, it looks beautiful in the Criterion release on Blu-ray. If you're into that movie, you need to check out the Criterion release. Absolutely worth your money. Uh, the next movie that I watched is another movie that was subtitled. Being there, by the way, is, is in English. Uh, another subtitled movie, though. I've actually got three subtitled movies on here, I'm realizing, and I've, uh, on my little outline, spaced them out. Subtitle, non-subtitle, subtitle, non-subtitle. So that works out okay. Uh, next movie is the movie The Seventh Seal, which I was familiar with, but I hadn't... Uh, I, I, don't, I actually don't know if I've ever seen all of it up until I watched it in the past week or so uh, with the cats, who didn't seem to enjoy it that much, uh, frankly. <laughs> Although I had a good time. Uh, the Seventh Seal is a movie that, if you know it from anything, you probably know references to it, if nothing else. It's a man playing a game of chess against death, for a little bit more life. Basically, he's playing for his life in a chess match against death. That's what it is. That's the basic of it. And as each move of the chess game happens, he goes out into his goes back into his regular life and is prolonging his life a little bit by playing more chess with death. That's essentially what's happening. Spoiler alert, eventually he's going to lose because you always lose to death in the end. Um but the Seventh Seal stars uh, Max von Sydow, uh, which I think is how you are supposed to say it, is Sydow. I've heard Sydow, Sydow, whatever. Uh, we lost Max von... Actually, you know what? It is Sydow, isn't it? It doesn't. 
matter. He's passed on, and he's not going to correct me. We lost Max von Sydow, von Sydow, whatever. We lost him a couple of years ago, and uh, I've been meaning to watch this movie ever since. Finally did, and had a good time with it. It uh, also was in black and white, although it was made in the 1950s, so that makes a little bit more sense. Uh, I mean, honestly, it probably would be a little bit better in color as well, even though it helps that I recognize Max von Sydow, so uh, I'm going to go with Sydow, as I'm going to say it from now on. It helps that I, that I recognize Max von Sydow, uh, so I was able to keep track of the characters a little bit better. And every, actually, every character in, in The Seventh Seal has a very uh, identifiable face. You know, that helps a lot. Not not quite the same in Andre Rublev. A lot of those guys look the same. But uh, in The Seventh Seal, very identifiable characters which is nice. But the black and white makes sense because of the year. It also makes sense thematically. The black and white also plays into a chess game, etc., etc., etc. Some of it's unclear. Uh, he's, uh, the, the, the Von Sydow character is trying to perform one meaningful deed before he dies. That's how he talks death into the game of, ch- of chess. And toward the end of the movie, again, spoilers, uh, death asks, uh, do you think you've performed your your deed and he says yes i have but he doesn't clarify what it is and you're left to kind of interpret it and and that's obviously on purpose but uh so there's some stuff that's unclear and purposefully so but it's a deeply effective story uh it's a man who has faith but is struggling against his faith he's literally playing a game of death of, of chess with death which is a religious concept Uh, He's doing that, but still questioning, but why is God so hard to get a handle on as he knows he's walking to his death? Which is just a very deeply affecting thing. I started taking notes at one point on some of the dialogue, which, by the way, this movie is in Swedish and subtitled in English. And uh, uh, so that was kind of an interesting feeling. I had never heard so much Swedish spoken in a setting, I don't think. Uh, there, there were a lot of S's in that last sentence. Hope you, hope you had fun with that. Um, uh, but yeah, it, 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 I, I started taking notes on stuff that was happening and just kind of being very, ended up being very moved by it and have been thinking about a lot of it and a lot of the stuff that was said in it. It was, uh, it was an enjoyable watch, The Seventh Seal. Uh, and also, again, rest in peace to Max von Sydow. Sydow. Which one did I land on? We we may never know. There's there's no way anybody could possibly run this back and figure out which one I was supposed to be saying. Uh, from there, by the way, this is in no way the order that I watched it in. This is just the order that I wanted to talk about stuff in. From there, uh, I also watched the movie Brazil, the Terry Gilliam movie, Brazil. Brazil is another one of those movies that I'm not sure I've ever seen all of, even though I've had this in my collection since, I think, like, 2013. I just, I don't think I've ever watched all of it, because it's, well, it's a Terry Gilliam movie, so it's very long. That's just what he does, and uh, uh, very sort of dense, and it's, uh, it's a comedy, but there's so much going on that it may as well not be. The movie is basically a cautionary tale. The story is of a guy who is a more or less government worker who uh, is trying to help sort out an error that uh, basically machines control our lives by the time of this movie to the point that a, a typo or a jammed printer cartridge on a form can result in an execution because uh, the government has just decided that this person needs to go uh, for crimes that are 
barely crimes, uh, and if the form is wrong, that person still ends up going. You know, that's that's essentially what the movie is, and there's a guy who sees the madness of that and kind of tries to fight back a little. There's also a whole fantasy element where he sees the woman of his dreams and his fantasies and then sees her in reality and tries to catch up with her. It's all very weird, but it's basically a cautionary tale about letting technology go too far to where we're so dependent on it that we listen to it no matter what, which is one of those things that definitely remains topical in the world that we're in today, but it's almost past being topical to being quaint uh, because we're pretty far down that road now. Brazil, I think, came out late 70s, early 80s. Hang on, I've got the box here. Let me look at it. Uh, came out... Yeah, of course it's not clear. 1985. So, yeah, early 80s. And, uh, yeah, definitely definitely hit all those beats. Uh, and, it, it, yeah, like I said, that message, very relevant at that time. In fact, a little bit future telling almost at that time and then it's it's gotten to the point where it's almost quaint as, as a notion because we've just surrendered to that uh the fantasy elements in the movie are jarring but uh in a good way it kind of keeps you guessing jonathan price who plays the main guy in it is excellent i'm actually only familiar with him from a different terry gilliam movie other than uh his work in brazil he's incredible in it robert de niro is in this movie plays a pivotal role that if i hadn't known to look for robert de niro i wouldn't have recognized him he's just playing so against what you expect of robert de niro and he's great at that and he does that a lot and doesn't get enough credit for it because he's robert de niro uh, but he he's great at not being Robert De Niro, and it's always kind of fun when that happens, so that was a treat to see in Brazil as well. Like I said, it's a little bit long because it's a Terry Gilliam movie, but it's long in a way that ends up justifying itself. There are other movies that are too long that do absolutely nothing to justify themselves, but I think part of the reason Brazil works is because it's too long. Like, I feel like you need to walk around in that headspace for a little bit longer than than you do with some others. But I, I had a good time watching Brazil, and uh, uh, the cats seemed to enjoy it as well. Actually, Jonko was super into it. Uh, I think I think Jonko just enjoyed uh, seeing Michael Palin show up in a Terry Gilliam project. I think he was just like, hey, Python thing, and he was just happy about that. Um, he is a cat, I remind you, and he's like six months old. This is all jokes. Anyway, Brazil, quite enjoyed Brazil. Made me want to see some more stuff from Terry Gilliam's career, because uh, I've seen you know a handful of things, but it made me want to watch some more of his stuff. Unfortunately, I've got some more in the uh, Criterion uh, DVDs that I have. Uh, we're not going to talk about any of those here today, but we might in a future episode. But Brazil, I've had an appreciation for the thematic nature of Brazil for a long time, and I think this might have been the first time I've actually watched it all in sequence, and it uh, was very rewarding. Really enjoyed it. Uh, and enjoyed seems like the wrong word for it, because it's very dark in places, but I, I, I uh, appreciated the experience, I guess. Uh, next movie I want to talk about is another uh, subtitled movie, <laughs> which I didn't know when I picked it up. Uh, the movie is called Blue is the Warmest Color. It's a movie that is in French with English subtitles. came out in 2013. The reason I picked it up is because I had recently seen uh, The French Dispatch, and I really liked uh, Leah Sadu 
uh, or Sado. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. My French is very, very rusty. Uh, I liked her. She was a uh, the main actress in the first piece of that movie. And uh, I liked her, and I had also seen her. She was also in a, a, a Grand Budapest Hotel. And I thought, I'd like to see something that she did that isn't a Wes Anderson movie. And this movie popped up in my Amazon uh, searching, and it was a Criterion release, and I thought, that's great. I'll check that out. I, you know, would like to see her in something. I don't know a thing about this movie. Uh, I'm just going to pick it up and watch it because she's in it, and it's a Criterion release, so it'll be good, you know? Uh, so that's, that's uh, what it is. So I did not know that it was in French. Uh, <laughs> that was a surprise, which is fine. I can read subtitles. That's not a problem for me. Uh, I did not know it was in French. I also did not know how uh, graphic it is because it's a uh, story that is essentially about a woman who is... It start, It follows her through probably about 10 years of her life. I'm going to ballpark that. I'm not sure if that's right. Sorry if that's wrong. But it follows her from essentially her teen years into early adulthood. She falls in love with a slightly older woman, uh, or maybe even significantly older, I can't tell. But she falls in love with a woman, which she previously had been into men, and then she falls in love with a woman, and it follows the story of their love. And, uh, so it's, you know, kind of that thing of, uh, well, it's, I think it's supposed to be a lesbian love story, but it's, uh, if, if the movie has a failing in that it's very clearly the male fantasy about how lesbians work, uh, because, like, I, I know actual lesbians, and this is not any of their story, um, and actually it... It borders on because she starts out being with a man, and there's a fairly uh, borderline pornographic uh, sex scene there. Uh, but she starts there, and then she gets into a relationship with a woman, and the movie for a little while becomes just full-on lesbian porn, uh, which I'm not complaining about, but I did not know going in, and that would have been good to know in advance. Would have been nice to know I should cover the cat's eyes. Uh, but yeah, just straight up lesbian porn at one point. The uh, other uh, young woman who plays actually the lead in the movie is uh, has a Greek last name. Her first name is Adele. Her last name is, uh, I'm going to say, Excarpolos? E-X-A-R-C-H-O-P-O-U-L-O-U-S. So... Sorry to anybody who knows how to pronounce Greek names. I'm going to say Excarpolis. Um, she was excellent. She was the main role in it, and she's the person that you follow throughout the entire movie. She was fantastic. I, I want to know more about her career. Uh, but I'll tell you this, uh, watching the movie, I know everything about her body. Uh, <laughs> I uh, have seen every part of her now. Uh, which is an awkward thing to happen when you don't know it's going to. I liked it a lot. <laughs> I, uh, uh, <laughs> there's a uh, I, I there's probably a better transition into that. Uh, it look it is it is a male fantasy about how lesbian relationships start, and it borders on being by erasure because this is clearly a bisexual woman who at the end of the movie is interested in a man again 
This is clearly a bisexual person. They don't spend a lot of time with that. It's very close to bi erasure. But uh, for what it is and with its failings, I still enjoyed the story and I deeply appreciated the acting. The uh, young lady Adele does a... I mean, she... I don't speak French, so I don't know... Uh, I, I can't really speak for the delivery of the French dialogue... But from what you can tell, watching a person and seeing if they're invested, she really seemed to pour herself into it, you know? Like, I think that if it were in English, I would be, you know, saying she should have an Academy Award. Uh, she really, wonderful, wonderful actress, and I'd like to see more of her work. I don't know what else she's been in, because again, don't speak French. So I'll uh, have to do some Googling with her. Uh, it's, my interest in her work is not just because I've seen her very, very naked. She really, very moving, uh, performances, even not speaking the language, very moving performances. There are times where, uh, she has to cry in it and you can tell that, wow, she's really into it, into this. She is that character right now that's actual crying, and she's not holding back, you know, and I, I was just very impressed with her. Leah Sadu was fine, too. She she did a good job as well. She played a lot more anger than she did any other emotion. Uh, well, anger and, and you know, flirting and, and that kind of stuff, but the thing that you... Like, she didn't do a lot of the crying type stuff, and she didn't play... Uh, she she was the same character throughout. The other character you got to watch kind of grow and change and, and become someone else, uh, in fact, a couple of times. I really enjoyed it from a uh, perspective of just watching someone's story, if this were the story that any any uh, bisexual person actually has. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought it was good. It was I went in knowing nothing, and I walked out going, wow, I want to know way more about this actress, and I want to know way more about like what went into this movie and what went into like her preparation for that role. And like I, I just I, I really got into the performances. Um, and again, had no idea that for a while it was just going to be lesbian porn. But it, uh, it, it, okay, like <laughs> if, if if that were removed. Not that I think it should be. It's fine that it's there. I'm not. I'm not. I'm no prude. But even if that were removed, like that's not the reason to see the movie. The reason to see the movie is the actresses, and they both did excellent, excellent work. Uh, again, even with the language barrier, I can tell they really poured themselves into this. Uh, Blue is the warmest color. Deeply enjoyed it. And we're going to end on a classic that I think I actually even referenced in last week's episode. We're going to end on a classic comedy. It's a mad, 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 mad world. And every time I say that title, I have to count on my fingers how many times I'm saying the word mad, because it's four. There, it's In the title, mad is said four times. So I have to go, it's a mad, 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 mad world, and kind of hold up a finger for each mad. And actually, the thumb flies up when I say the word world. That's how I know I'm done talking. Uh, it's a classic movie. It's a comedy. Everybody in the world was in it at the time. Every <laughs> every comedic actor and many of the dramatic actors uh, said Caesar's in it, Milton Berle's in it, Ethel Merman is in it, Mickey Rooney, uh, Spencer Tracy is one of the main roles, uh, Jonathan Winters is there, uh, the Three Stooges show up at one point, uh, like, name somebody from the era, they are in it. 
It's uh, and it's in color, by the way. Uh, so a comedy color. What year did this come out? Actually, out of curiosity, uh, 1963. No reason Andrei Rublev couldn't have been in color. Uh, but yeah, it's a mad, 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 mad world. The plot of it is there's uh, it starts out with a guy who's in a car crash and is dying, and a couple of people stop. A couple of our you know main people of the story stop and ask him you know just to see if he's okay. The guy tells him that he's got. Uh, a whole bunch of money buried under a big W, I think, uh, at a certain location. Is it a W or an M? Oh my god, I just watched this and I can't remember. It's a W. Uh, he's got a, a, a lot of money buried under a big W, uh, but he doesn't go into too much detail, you know, on account of he's dying. Uh, and this is a comedy. Uh, he uh, <laughs> uh, It basically sets them off on a trek to go and find the money. And uh, it's just a cast of all-stars for the time, going, trying to find this money, making agreements with each other about what they're going to do when they find it, and so on and so on and so on. And uh, so it's it's basically like a race movie. Uh, of the era, I think the lesser of two different race movies, because a different movie came out a few years later called The Great Race, starring uh, uh, Tony Curtis. I almost said Leslie Nielsen. That's way off. Starring Tony Curtis and uh, Natalie Wood and Peter Falk and Jack Lemmon. Uh, much better movie, much funnier, much more simple, uh, but it wouldn't have been like it wouldn't have been made if not for it's a mad 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 world uh and it's a mad 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 world is a classic in its own right and is probably most people's go-to as far as that genre uh but it's very over the top it's very funny it's very ridiculous uh and again like i said just a cast of all-stars in it which actually that was a cast of all-stars from 1963 it is now 2022 the fact that all these people were so well-known then and are now very dead might actually hurt it a little bit now because some of the charm of the movie is knowing who those people are, knowing that, oh, that's Phil Silvers being Phil Silvers, you know, uh, although a little bit more scummy than Phil Sil Silvers and, like, Sergeant Belko and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it's, a little bit might be lost on somebody who just doesn't know who these people are or you know like why is Milton Berle mugging to the camera even though he's not the center part of this scene that's just who Milton Berle was you know although actually that isn't near as bad in this movie as people say it is but whatever uh you know so it, it might hurt it a little bit if you don't know these characters or don't know these uh real life individuals you don't know who they are but it's still fun, even if you don't. It's still a fun, ridiculous, like, car chase-type movie. Uh, and and like most things, it's a little bit too long, and there's some stuff that didn't age very well. At one point, Peter Fox straight up says the word retarded, meaning retarded. And uh, sorry to anybody who's hearing me say that. I mean no harm. It's what he says. Uh, I know that we don't say that. At that time, though, you did... And uh, Peter Falk absolutely does to describe somebody, somebody who isn't even on camera. We don't even know anything about the person that he calls that. He's just talking on a phone and calls somebody that. Uh, so that's, you know, you got to deal with a little bit of that. There's, you know, uh, th there's a little bit of that. And uh, the characters who are not white in the movie aren't exactly handled well. But 
for what it is, it's a 1960s comedy. It's over the top. It's zany. It's crazy. It's fun. I had a lot of fun watching it. I had so much fun watching it, in fact, that the uh, Blu-ray that I have has the sort of theatrical release length, which is the one that I watched initially, and it has another disc that has a commentary track on it that I wanted to hear that has like another 30 minutes on it, and I watched that too because I love commentary. So, uh, big surprise, a guy who hosts a podcast likes hearing people talk. Uh, yeah, it's a mad, 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 mad world was a lot of fun. That's where we are currently working our way through my Criterion collection. Uh, the cats and I have been having a good time doing this. It's going to continue as the week and probably weeks go on because this is going to be a busy week and I'm not going to be able to watch a movie every night or anything like that. But uh, I had a good time with this stuff. I hope you had a good time hearing about this stuff. If you like any of this stuff or hate any of this stuff, talk to me about it. Send me an email at dbaderekbrink.com. I would love to talk to you about it. If you're a Criterion collector, write to me. Tell me what your favorite Criterion releases are and I will tell you if I have them or if I want to get them. Uh, movies are fun, man. It's a good way to kill an evening and a good way to sort of broaden your horizons. I certainly have, in the past week or so, I certainly have watched things and been exposed to things that I didn't expect to be and that I didn't, I, I otherwise might not have been. So that's, uh, that's, that's the joy of art is that you get to experience things a little bit differently than if it was just happening in your own head. And, uh, Criterion Collection's great for that. I, I love my Criterion releases. I always look to get more and more Criterion releases. I'm always excited when something that I already love is a Criterion release. And we may do this from time to time. Just talk about uh, my Criterion collection collection. I hope it was fun for you. It certainly was for me. short stories of lost loves and past glories some of them are too long to pass the time some of them cost more and that's our episode checkmates i am wrapping this one up right as it's time to put the cats to bed which i think they have already gone to because they tend to uh, they tend to know when it's time to go to sleep, which is great about them. I think they're already in there. I've just got to go kiss them on their foreheads and put them to bed. Uh, I've got a weird week ahead of me with some work and personal commitments. It's going to be a, going to be a tough one. It's already been a tough one. It's early in the week and it's been a tough one, but it's going to be, going to be a weird one. So wish me luck as the week goes on. At some point, I've also got to buy a vacuum cleaner because it turns out that my vacuum sucks. Actually, it turns out my vacuum doesn't suck. That's the problem. If my vacuum sucked, we would have no problem. Uh, but at some point, I've got to... <laughs> it's a bad joke, sorry. Uh, at some point, I've got to get a new vacuum cleaner. The one I have kind of works, but it's not great for some of the pet-related mischief. So I just got to get... What I want is a hand vac. Like, uh, Bissell makes like a pet, a pet hair eraser thing, I think is what they call it. Uh, that's got my attention. Want a want a good hand vac more than I do even like a regular full full on vacuum because I've got mainly hardwood so that's that's mostly sweeping it's not not vacuuming so much but for the places that I do need to vacuum a hand vac would be a good one to have around I don't know why I'm telling you that my birthday is coming up though in May anybody wants to get me a hand vac 
That'd be... That'd be a present that I wouldn't have asked for in my 20s. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. I feel like I should talk about uh, WrestleMania, because WrestleMania happened. It's a two-night affair. It's ridiculous. Uh, best match of the whole weekend was uh, Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch, even though Becky Lynch lost, and I'm a big Becky Lynch fan. It, it was such a good match. I, I, I didn't mind. Uh... And there were a bunch of there was a bunch of dumb stuff that happened. Like Vince McMahon wrestled for a little bit, and got and got the world's worst Stone Cold Stunner out of it. If you didn't, uh, if you haven't heard about any of that, it's a weird weekend last week with WrestleMania. So there, I talked about it. If you want to talk about that more? Email me. I have thoughts, but it's not worth getting into detail on this. I already did my wrestling moment talking about Scott Hall. You don't. You don't want to hear about... I, I, I have the metrics to show that you don't want to hear me talking about wrestling. So, that's probably the episode title. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. I uh, love having someplace to yell about my cats, if nothing else, because they're the best boys in the whole wide world. Jonko and Maguire, the best cats. And uh, it is their bedtime, so I'm going to bid you farewell, and I'm going to say thank you very much for listening. Uh, folks, please uh, continue to be aware that COVID is out there and still impacting people's lives. I hope you're vaccinated by now, and if you're not, please get vaccinated, please get boosted, uh, wear a mask when appropriate, social distance when appropriate as well, that's still appropriate in many cir- circumstances, although it seems like things are getting better all over. I don't know that we're out of the woods, just please continue to take it seriously. Alongside that, please remember that black lives matter, that trans rights are human rights, that women's rights are human rights, and that I shouldn't have to tell you any of that. But god damn, do I have to tell people that. Be good to each other, be good to yourself, forgive each other, and forgive yourself. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. What are you, the hostess?